Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and I don't suck, and neither does the Pipples podcast, but anyone who plays the Riders, they suck. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Let's go, Rider Nation. I'm ready. I'm ready. Here we go, the Piffles Podcast, the podcast that does not suck. Thank you, Kurt Angle, for reinforcing that for us. We are your Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast. My name is Alex. I am Steve. And I look forward to the Terry Jones Memorial Elevator. Ooh, you're going there already. Wow. Coming in hot. What? That man it went up and down that elevator a lot at Commonwealth. Like they have the Bob Irving press box in Winnipeg. Why can't he get an elevator? FIFA wouldn't allow it. There's a story there that we're not going to get into. You can give us a follow on Twitter at Piffles Pod. You can give me a follow at Real Alex D. Yeah, you'll find me at Safamod. And please do not follow me at Greg on Sports. Do not need those pity follows. Check us out on Facebook. Piffles Podcast there, and of course the website pifflespodcast.com where you can get angry at power rankings. Yes, the thing that means absolutely nothing in the grand scheme of things, but everybody has an opinion on power rankings. Let's get to it, guys. Time for the opening kickoff. Of course, the Piffles Podcast is brought to you by Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. And, uh, what a win for the Riders to start the season against Hamilton. The first half, yawn, unless you like defense, which I do, then you'd appreciate what the Riders did because that Riders defense, absolutely dominant. And not just in the first half, the whole game long. Dummied them. Like, I had a lot, there's been a lot of people wondering if the Tie Cats were offensive line is that bad or the Riders defense is that good. The Riders defense is that good. I think the Tie Cats actually have a really good line. And I know we're going to talk about it in the bit. I cannot wait for this weekend. Like they got I, eight sacks against Hamilton. Like how many are they going to get against Edmonton? I think my favorite part about that D is the fact that they rotate so much. It's not a one man show. That D line, nobody played more than eighty percent of the snaps. They they were rotating guys inside outside. You never knew where anybody was coming from. Just an all out, for lack of a better term, ass kicking from that that front four. Charleston had less than half the snaps. He was like around 48%, I want to say. And that's and what you, you saw, need with him. And then you saw guys like Derek Moncrief dropping back into a safety position, Mike Edom coming up to the linebacker position. Everybody was chipping in. It was absolutely fantastic. Eight sacks. The D-line, absolutely incredible. All the forced fumbles. Charleston Hughes, of course, forced, forcing one and, uh, and recovering one as well. Uh, interceptions at the end of the game. They were all over the place. This defense was fantastic. We knew going in they were going to be good. We might have underestimated how good this defense actually is because that was an elite defense. I'm going and, to give... and the best part about it was it was 60 minutes from, from the first drive where they caused a fumble to the last drive when they caused a fumble. Three turnovers in the middle between those. Just obliteration. I'm going to uh, Barry Horowitz myself on this one. Pete Robertson had, had himself a hell of a game. Like, and that's why when Woodard left, I'm like, I'm not concerned. Robertson is a beast. And he proved that I, he's going to be him and AC are going to be fighting for that sack total all year. And Charbel de beer was pitching in. He had a good game. Uh, got, got hurt though. Um, Charleston Hughes, you guys mentioned great rotation that they used, And it wasn't just, you know, on the DNs. It was everybody Lanier. Garrett Marino, just everybody was getting in on it. It was a fantastic, fantastically called game by Jason Shivers, who is really, really showing us what he can do with a defense and how good of a coordinator he really is. Garrett Marino is the type of player that plays just on that edge. He's and no take, penalties this time. He's, he's, he's going to get caught one of these times doing something stupid. <laughs> yep. But... He uh, like he was destroying guys like he like dummied Van Zeal. It was hilarious. I'm sorry, I said I'm doing that backwards. Anyways, sorry. 
Other way around. The, was, uh, Logan Ferdlin got Van Ziel. The uh, the tackle for for Hamilton was absolutely atrocious. He ended up getting benched. They put in uh, what was it, Kyle Saxlid, and then he got injured. So they had to put the other guy, the American, back in there, and he was god awful again. He just couldn't figure it out. There was pressure off the edge. There was pressure pressure up the middle. The defensive backfield was throwing many different looks. You had Lacombo playing safety a few times. Like they were just everywhere. Larry Dean. I was impressed with him probably the most because I didn't know what to make of him going into this season, just with the Achilles injury and basically not playing in three calendar years. And he was excellent. And the best part about it is he doesn't need to be the super big all-star that he was previously coming to the riders. He's you pair him with Moncrief and Sankey who are both again, all over the place. Wow. And another positive for me for that game is look, combo didn't look, out of place in his first career game. I don't think you heard his name. The first play. <laughs> what, uh, a, what a way to start your career, eh? First right, pass of the game. But I mean, outside of that, did we hear his name once? I don't. I don't know that they looked his way. They he just did played lights out. Him. Yep, they didn't test him basically at all. They didn't really test uh, Roland Milligan, uh, who's new as well. He had a hell of a game too. You saw I mean, zero they, all over that field. They tested Nick Marshall, which Nick Marshall, that was a classic Nick Marshall game, had an interception, but also gave up the long touchdown. And that's what you're going to get with Nick Marshall. He's a boomer bust type guy, but he's going to make more big plays and he's going to give up. So that's that's just something that you that you live with. And it was a nice pass from uh, from Dane Evans on that touchdown anyway. So I'm, I'm not going to rip on Nick Marshall for that. That's I mean, he's the Trayvon Diggs of the CFL. He's going to get you a ton of picks, but he's going to give up some big plays. But you take the good with the bad there. There's two times in that game where I go, so it has to be that player. And it was, it has to be Nick Marshall on that ball getting over top of his head. And it had to be Simone Lawrence on that hit on uh, Cody Fajardo. You knew both those things were going to happen at some point. (laughs) Well, we'll we'll talk about that hit on Fajardo in a second. Let's get to the offense. And uh, they were offensive in the very, in the first half. It was ridiculous. The guy that was sitting next to me. He has big giant text on his, on his phone, like to the point where like you can fit four words on the screen, like he has huge font. And he was saying fire Jason Moss already in the first half. And I'm, I'm not going to say I was agreeing with it, but I wasn't necessarily disagreeing with it either because it looked awful. They weren't even testing anything. And it wasn't because of lack of time. The offensive line was giving him enough time, but they just weren't doing anything. It was all lateral passes. And there's like there was nothing going downfield at all, and it was pathetic because they only completed what six passes for thirty yards. You're averaging five yards a pass, just unbelievably bad in the first half. If if the first half of a football season has taught me anything, it was last year when all of us were calling for Jason Moss to be you know, coach of the year, and our offense was going to be amazing because of our first half versus BC. And then we flip the script. I'm not worried about the first half of, of football. I think they came out. They did enough. What I liked the most was that offensive line. Fajardo had time. He was untouched. Zero sacks. You know, that that was our concern going into this year on the offensive side was how will they be? They look they looked fine for a first game of the year. It, it's amazing what uh, how good an offensive line can look if you shore up your outside of it. Like, that was the one thing the Riders were missing last year, and it showed. And with Natai Rogers and uh, Taron Vaughn, Taron Vaughn, I almost said uh, Coleman. Yeah, with Taron, with Taron Vaughn back, like what a difference that made. Because and the interior guys held up. Like Logan Ferland's second year player, but he's playing like he's been in the league for years. My one gripe about the O line, they didn't really do much for the run game at all. There was just another. Oh, to be fair, that was on both sides. And you're looking at a couple really good D lines in Hamilton and, and Saskatchewan. So not creating the run lanes. We'll see what happens against a, a lesser opponent with Edmonton. I think they'll get a little bit more from there. But that's going to be an area of concern going forward because they weren't really good running the ball last year. And I'm but I would also the same this year. I would also argue, though, Hamilton probably has the two best defensive tackles in the league. Absolutely. Micah Johnson and Dylan Wynn. It is going to be hard to put anything past them. So, 
Um, but I still don't like the way Morrow Morrow thinks twice and cuts five times before he decides to go forward. So I think Hickson hits the line a little better, but he wasn't getting much either. So hopefully a game against the Eskimos at Elks will. Is that a fine? fine. Yeah, I was gonna say, is that a fine? fine? Undisclosed Um, amount. Apparently, so undisclosed. I don't even know I got it. Apparently, Um, but yeah, it's. I I think I'm not too concerned about the running game yet, but I guess we'll find. It's a Jason Moss offense. It doesn't happen that often anyway. That that's the key right there. the The running game has to do just enough to keep defenses honest. And with with Morrow and Hickson back there, I'm not too concerned yet, but. I'd like to see them push a little bit down the field with the, with the run game going forward. Well, it took the offense uh, almost 45 minutes to basically starting to figure it out. It was that big play to Shaq Evans down the sideline that really kind of got the offense moving. And what a perfect pass from Cody Fajardo going into the season. Everybody talking about the deep ball. That was perfect. And that's exactly what you need to, to spark the offense. And what I said was going to win the Riders games. Those intermediate 10 to fit or like 15 to 20 yard throws over the middle of the field to Duke Williams that he was completing to, to move the chains. That's going to win this team a lot of games. If Cody Fajardo can hit those consistently and get big chunk plays like that, this offense is going to be very, very good. And we saw just how scary a successful pairing of Shaq Evans and Duke Williams can be. That's that's the part I'm most looking forward to is last year at the end of the year, Shaq Williams, or Shaq Williams, Shaq Evans was a shadow of, of who he was. You know, you, you came out, he had, was it, was it zero catches in the playoffs or was it one catch? No targets in the final. Yeah. yeah. I, he had one catch in the semifinal, I believe. Yeah. So, and he just didn't look, he didn't look right. He seems like he's come back this year. He's healthy. You know, four catches off ten targets, but there there seems to be that trust back there again as well. And then you add in Duke, and you add in Schaefer Baker. Once those guys get rolling, like I said, I'm not concerned about a 30 minutes of the offense. Give them give them time, and I realize I'm the eternal optimist and you know the homer, but give them time. They're they're gonna figure it out. There's too much talent in that receiving core not to. And how about Schaefer Baker making the play on the on the jump ball in the end zone? Yeah, it was only a 20-yard pass, but really the throw went about uh, 40 yards there. Um, so that, we'll classify that as a deep ball there. But uh, a 50-50 ball, again, concern for the Riders going into this season. And Schaefer Baker made a big play for a touchdown and ran up and celebrated in pill country. How great was that? You can never have too many pill country celebrations. Labor Day with Brett Lothar and now Schaefer Baker. I hope that happens every game. Uh, get get them up there. Get them partying. Get the fans involved. Make it fun. Get the fans in the stands. If the game looks fun, people will come. Okay, well, let's get to uh, that hit that we mentioned, Simone Lawrence on Cody Fajardo. First off, dirty or not? In real time, I don't think so. I know. I know there was a penalty for it. I know. He, I know he got. He got a fine. Uh, fine for it, but. In real time, the speed of the game, I don't think it was dirty. I really don't. And I know there's a lot of people that disagree with me because I got pissed off a lot of people on Twitter this weekend. I, I'm torn on this one. I, I don't think it was dirty, but I don't think it wasn't intentional either. Simone's got a habit of, of lowering his head a little, too, a little too quickly. It's not his first rodeo. I... Uh, I, I've given him the benefit of the doubt in the past, and maybe it's just because he keeps ducking me in our race. But uh, I, I just, I just think he needs to, he needs to smarten up. He's he's a Hall of Fame player, but he's starting to get a reputation that he did not have for the first large portion of his career. This is all relatively new. You know, the the Caleros hit, if I remember correctly, was the first time he was ever suspended or fined for a hit. So you're talking about a pretty new reputation over the last few years, but it's, it's an earned reputation. He well, plays on the edge and the edges he, he's getting older. And I think that that he, he's got across that edge a little more. Well, it started with Claros and then it was his uh, tussle with Wilder. 
and it's just kind of snowballed from there. Um, but like I said, unfortunately, I like I like those players that play on that edge. Sometimes it gets crossed, and sometimes it doesn't. Like Gary Marino, I like him, but I guarantee you, if he was on a different team, I'd probably be complaining about him. There's Back- a good quote from a coach that once said. I'd rather have to pull a guy off the edge than to push him to it when you're talking about playing on that edge. And I think that reigns true with, with Simone Lawrence. He plays on that edge, but he's not the, you know, the guy that you just hate just by, you know, him being a jerk. Cause he's actually a really nice dude. Really funny. Trash talk is awesome. You heard him here on the Piffles podcast a few years ago saying that, uh, He'd play video games against, you know, 14, 15 year old kids and tell them that their mother doesn't love them. Like he's like, that's the kind of smack talk that he does. Um, And, and I want to give him the benefit of the doubt because like Greg said, full speed, you can't stop. You literally cannot stop immediately. There's forward momentum is a thing. And, but I mean, he does lead with his head, shoulder, uh, and especially when it's a quarterback, you would think you would know by now that you can't do that. But I think it was called properly at the time, 15-yard penalty, and that's all it should have been in-game. It shouldn't have been a, an ejection by any means or a targeting or anything like that. And I, I kind of figured the fine was probably coming, and I don't think there should be a suspension, and there wasn't. So, I mean, it's one of those things where I, I see it on both sides. But I, I saw somebody say, somebody commented, well, how many quarterbacks is he going to hurt before the league does something about him? I will argue that he actually improves quarterbacks because the last time he did this, he made a quarterback into a two-time Grey Cup champion. So maybe that's a good thing for Cody that he took one of these hits from uh, from Simone. Well, like I said on Twitter, I didn't realize uh, Simone's shoulder pads were the finger of God because, like, jeez. But I don't know. Like, I, I, it was it was funny because the, the kerfuffle I started on Twitter was if if Simone was in the Riders locker room, the fans would love him, and I stand 100%. by that because and I and I understand I used Dwight Anderson as an example, but it was amazing the amount of people that either forget that we also had Dominic Picard on this team. Forget that the Dwight Anderson tried to take out Wesson's eyeball or just forget that he was actually a vital part of that 2013 team because apparently you either really hated him or he was the dirtiest player ever or you, or he did nothing that bad. It's just like, come on, people. You like the guy, you like the players that play for your team, unless they're unless they're absolute pieces of garbage. And don't get me wrong, there's a few of those that came through this locker room. Uh Chris Jones trying to bring in probably the one of the worst ones of them all. Greg Hardy. Uh, Yep. Oh, and I was also thinking Khalif Mitchell, but <laughs> <laughs> he did bring in Justin Cox and that too. So, like, unfortunately, these guys aren't Bible salesmen. Um, but Simone is not the worst player ever in this league, and it, it, it's beyond me why, why some people try to say he's intentionally out there to injure people. He's not. It, if you want to look at proof of what you're saying, go look at Hamilton right now. Look at how much they defend the guy. Because 99 plays out of 100, and let's say 999 out of 1,000, he's one of the top linebackers in the league. He plays on that edge. He's great in the community, fun guy, great for the league. But because he does one stupid thing every few games, everyone outside of, of Hamilton hates him. They love him. He is, he is like hero number one, especially now that Brandon Banks went to Toronto. Like he's he's the top of their food chain for a reason, but you're right. If he was here, we would feel the same, hundred percent. And anybody who disagrees is just wrong. Their individuals might still hate him, but the fans as a whole, they'd be chanting his name. Now, Greg, you wanted to bring up something about this hit too, because Cody Fajardo was not taken out of this game by the injury spotters, and Zach Kolaros was when he took a hit in their game against Ottawa the night before. I honestly, and I say this as a Ryder fan, I think the spotters screwed up. If you're going to take Claros out for the hit he took for his safety, they probably should have took uh, Cody out for three plays as well. Whether that's the right call or not, I don't care. Um, I, I saw a few Bomber fans saying it was the Bomber staff that pulled him off. It was not. 
they were arguing the entire way to keep him in that game because they had to throw Drew Brown out there and there's no guarantees that Drew Brown was going to get them close enough to win that game. And fortunately he did because Ottawa blew it or Ottawa could be one and oh, and Winnipeg, Winnipeg could have been oh and one. It would have been great for everybody, but no. So I don't know. I, the way these spotters work is too shoddy. And I think the league actually admitted they made a mistake by not pulling Cody. I, I go the opposite route. I think they got, I think they got it right because when I'm looking back at that, at the hit, it never looks like Cody was really affected in the head. Whereas if you go back to Zach Caleros and again, keep in mind, I was listening to that on the radio. So I had to go by what uh, Derek Taylor was saying, but it sounded like, um, Zach was heading towards the wrong side of the, like he wasn't going towards the huddle. He just looked wobbly. Something didn't look right. Whereas with, with Fajardo, it just looked like he got hit hard in that back and neck region, but never really looked out of place. And I think that's what they look for. Although I I guess I can't remember who it was that said it. it was, I think it was Dave Naylor said any motion towards your head, grabbing your helmet, shaking your head, that kind of stuff should get you removed and he did do that but and, and that's the difference in the in these and that's why i think the spotters didn't take Fajardo out when zach caleros took that hit he was grabbing the face his face mask on his helmet holding it there he did look dazed and he was not moving like he just like kept pulling that that helmet down where cody you look at his face was grimacing yes he was in pain but I don't think he was actually dazed by any means. That said, if you want to be serious, if you're the CFL and they admitted they got this wrong, you have to take him out. You have to. You have to take Fajardo out in that situation. Just you, if, if player safety is paramount, and we've heard this for years, and they've never once actually backed it up in the CFL office, if they're actually serious about player safety, take him out. Yeah, it sucks, especially with – you know, Caleros on that final drive of a, a potential game-winning drive, like, oh, well, that sucks if they don't get it, right? Because your your starting quarterback's not there. But ultimately, it is about player safety. And Well, the thing about Caleros, because I was watching that game, and when he was on the ground, he kind of went, grabbed his helmet, and then he popped right back up because I think he realized what he was doing. So I don't know if he was trying... I think there's a little bit of gamesmanship in there. I don't know if he was trying to draw a flag because he realized it was a borderline hit and then realized, crap, if I do this, they're going to pull me out and they end up pulling him. And he was fine to go right after. So I don't know. Like it's, if they're serious about player safety, bottom line, good, bad, or indifferent, you got to make that hard call, whether the team wants to pull the player or not. My, my favorite part about that is is following uh, a lot of Bombers fans on Twitter who were complaining that that Caleros got pulled and not a, not understanding the reason he got pulled and and calling it a conspiracy or, or that kind of thing. It's like it's week one, guys. There, there's no cons- if if that happens in a playoff game, you can maybe talk about conspiracy. It's week one. Calm down. And one more thing here on the opening kickoff. Uh, we'll talk about this a little bit more in the uh, the preview against Edmonton. But Duke Williams uh, ended up getting a hurt, rolled his ankle at practice on Wednesday. And uh, it's closed practice on Thursday. So we're not going to get any. And they travel on Friday. So we're not going to get any kind of update until they fly out and put the depth chart out. So they'll be, yep, he's, we're just going to take him to Edmonton and see what happens and he might be a scratch or he'll play. Who knows? But we'll so talk about that. No flip this weekend. Bad no form. He needs uh, to take tumbling a pass. My daughter does a better tumbling pass than that. Dude, come on. Yeah, he, he Furlan does a better tumble than that. Whoa, okay. No. Old cap is Saskatchewan there. What the hell? No, what, uh, what Duke Williams needs to do is when they go to Edmonton for this game is he needs to call up shy Ross and get some, tips on how to do a backflip because shy ross is the cfl king of backflips right now well just they, please they, they for the love the of shot. god don't do it with a barbell yeah but but then shy should ask him how to catch a football because he can't do that so <laughs> that's the opening kickoff presented by kathy festion of royal page of john realty let's jump to the churchill brewing company 
odds and end zones. We'll take a look at a couple of the other games last week. Of course, Montreal at Calgary. And yeah, Calgary won. But William Stanback has a fractured ankle, probably out for the whole year. They're hoping that uh, with a surgery he had, he might make it back for the playoff run. Ugh, that's a big loss for Montreal. Big loss for Montreal, but they actually picked up a pretty good running back with Walter Fletcher. And they gave up, what, a six-round pick to get him out of Edmonton? Yep. So the, the good news for Fletcher, he's actually going to be in the playoffs this year. But, like, it's it's it sucks for Montreal because Stanback is, I'd say, the best running back in the league right now. So it sucks they lose him, but I think Fletcher's going to fit in that offense nicely. It's clearly Stanback, Kadeem Carey, and then everybody else. Lose it, losing a guy of that talent, that's going to hurt. And and I'm not just saying that because he's a UF or UCF alum. And uh, is there a con- quarterback controversy in Calgary? Bo Levi Mitchell didn't finish that game. He uh, ended up uh, hurting his ankle. He was in a walking boot after, but now he's a full participant in practice. But Jake Mayer came in and uh, did what he had to do. Calgary ended up winning the game. So Jake Mayer has looked pretty good in his relief time and, and his few starts in the CFL going back to last year. No, it's not a controversy. I called this last week. Bo is not Bo anymore. I'm sorry. And everyone, everyone in Calgary is trying to defend him. Oh, Bo's good. Bo's great. Bo's this. No, Bo's not. Bo's not Bo anymore. Bo's okay. Bo better know how to hold a clipboard. <laughs> Bo knows bench spot. Someone who should hit the bench is Winston Rose, defensive back for Winnipeg. He got absolutely torched by Ottawa last week. I couldn't believe. Ottawa has that many big plays. They had like five or six 50-yard passes. It was ridiculous. Almost all of them against Winston Rose, and they only scored 17 points. Hey, every Rose has its thorns. No? No, no. <laughs> so, Alex, you and I are going to finish off this episode. I, I, I think I think that's it for Greg. That's, that's... really I mean, maybe he's trying to celebrate Father's Day a little bit earlier because that's coming up and with a really bad dad joke, maybe. Uh, I, 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 all I can say is I, I was never a bigger Ottawa fan. I thought they were actually going to pull it off. Um, they left too many points on the board. Mazzoli looked good, but they just couldn't finish their drives. The, the moment for that game was when they, when they got nothing at the end of the first half. Mm-hmm. They, they wasted... Bad clock I mean, management. Three points. Yeah. We we saw that a few times last year. You can't win football games leaving points on the board. You will not, especially against a team as good as Winnipeg. And they they did it. They had they. I think they they left seventeen points yeah. uh, on the board. But like even that, if, that should have been a runaway win. But even if they would have got that three at half, they would have won. Like they probably could have won because. That meant Brown had to get them a touchdown, not a, not within field goal range. But then again, when you're dealing with Leglio, you don't know what you're dealing with anyway because he missed one extra point that game. How, how much do you think they're going to miss Sergio by the end of the season? A lot. That is ridiculous that they didn't sign him. I'm sorry. And Sergio is the only one that seemed to show up for uh, the Elks in BC. I could not believe that game, uh, just how – god-awful Edmonton was and how good BC looked and I don't think that's indicative of how good BC is I think that just shows how bad Edmonton is but let's celebrate a little bit of Canadiana here with uh, Nathan Rourke quarterback for the BC five total touchdowns three throwing two rushing okay but let's be with 34,000 people in the stands I don't think there's anything else that that you couldn't have written that any better where where you're getting a big crowd in BC, a big market where you need to get big crowds back. And they did. They were treated to an absolute blowout, 59-15. It was 42-6 to at the half. You have Nathan Rourke, a Canadian, coming out, getting five touchdowns total by himself. And I don't think he could have done anything better if you're Amar Doman and the BC Lions than what they showed because that was excellent. And hopefully that buzz continues on to week three because they have the bye week this week. But hopefully that translates to more ticket sales. And hopefully Amar Doman himself and some of the ticket sales people were going up and down the stands all game long at halftime when it was 42 to 6. Hey, you want to buy a ticket? Hey, you want to buy another ticket? Look at this product and just sell based off that because that was their best marketing was on the field what they did. 
Can can we just slow down a little bit with the Nathan Rourke is Canadian talk? He's about as Canadian as Ben Cahoon. Let's let's back up a little bit. He was born here, played football in the States, never played. I don't think he played high school here, didn't play college, didn't play. He, he's not Canadian. He's more Canadian we, than Singleton. I mean, that's not an accomplishment. But I I agree with everything else you said. It absolutely lights out. And this is what the league needs is something like that story. And I, I joke, but I hope they ride that Canadian thing out for as long as it takes because it is a positive story, especially in an offseason where the league attacked the Canadian ratio and all you heard was we don't need the Canadian talent. And I mean, I was one of those. I was like, I don't care. Put the best 42 guys on the roster. But it's still fun to see a Canadian in air quotes, you know, absolutely light it up. But it's even better that it was against Chris Jones in Edmonton. He was not happy on the sidelines. How bad did it get? He took off his sunglasses. This was the best thing for BC right now. It really was for a market that everyone was concerned about new ownership. The fact that they had 34,000 in the stadium, primarily for one Republic, maybe the fact that they could put on that show and put up that many points and make it that exciting and that fun. Like great. Like when, when uh, they closed mosaics, or sorry, uh, Taylor field, that should have been the game. The writers won. Instead, it was an absolute drubbing, but we all had to sit around and wait for the end. That wasn't no, that was probably like the, one of the worst football games I ever attended because I knew I had to sit there because I we wanted to, to be there for the end. We had to sit through a rotation of Darian Durant and Mitchell Gale. Thanks, Chris Jones. Yeah. So, Chris Jones, that is your karma. Suck it. <laughs> and uh, also, how about the potential emergence of a league superstar with James Butler getting four touchdowns in the first half alone. That was absolutely incredible. So uh, we knew going in, yeah, pretty good, pretty good running back, but wow, did not see that coming. I, I, I like James Butler. I don't think we'll ever see this again. Like I don't get me wrong. Four touchdowns. I don't, I don't think he's a bad running back. I just don't think he's going to be a superstar. He's not stand back. I mean, four touchdowns in the first half is great, but what did he do in the second half? Let, let's be real. You know, that, that's a hell of a performance. Right, but I'm with Greg. I, I'd like to see a, a little more from him before I'm ready to to pin him up as the next league superstar. You know, we've we've talked about it. There's two very clear leaders in that department in, in Kerry and Stanbeck. Uh, could he be in that next tier? Sure. But let's see how let's see how he does against an actual professional defense. Don't get me wrong. I like I said for BC's hope and for them selling tickets. I hope they have a one-two punch or one-two-three punch with uh, Rourke, uh, O'Connor, and um, why am I drawing, drawing blanks on names today? Uh, Burnham. Burnham. Yeah, Brian Burnham. Like th- those are your top three stars. You mark it off. Or Lucky Whitehead. Sorry, go Lucky, Lucky Whitehead's way better for the media. So there's your top four names. Put them out there. Market them. I don't know. Like I said, this is good for the BC Lions. I hope it. I hope they can ride this out and uh, open the, the top tier a few more games. And you, yeah, it's funny you mentioned a new owner in uh, in BC. The one thing we're missing is the new owner in Montreal. Uh, he he's fun, but I don't think he's had a whole lot of um, media education. He That's came out today. Fun. He came out today and said that the Montreal Alouettes were going to kill the Toronto Argonauts on Thursday night. I love it, but it's a little early for bulletin board material. The best part was the reporter asked him, are you going to guarantee that? And then he was about to say, I get no, no, I'm going to not say that. That's a prediction. (laughs) He, (laughs) He stopped just short of actually guaranteeing it. And uh, I love it. That's fantastic stuff. And, and especially for the Montreal market, which is trying to get, you know, back to having sellout crowds at Percival Molson stadium. Like, yeah, absolutely. You want this kind of stuff. Maybe you probably shouldn't say we're going to kill them, but uh, he could have chose his words a little bit better, but whatever. It's fun. And he's also hanging out on Twitter quite regularly. Just like he, 
he doesn't follow but he follow me but he randomly popped up in my replies like three times in the last few weeks just responses to random things that somebody retweeted he's all over social media he doesn't really get it doesn't really know how to send a message properly or form you know uh, a paragraph on twitter but at least he's there and he's he's uh he's getting out there and that's great to see he's trying all right there's the churchill brewing company odds and end zones which leads me into the rant of the week and i have it this week guys and this goes back to the bc edmonton game Thirty-four thousand people in the stands absolutely fantastic i love it one republic were a lot of the fans there just to see one republic and and got a you know a cheap concert ticket yeah, probably, but that's fine. You can still bring them back in. They, uh, the game itself, if they stuck around for it, they retreated to an absolutely fantastic, especially first half for BC. TSN showed the One Republic concert in between the Ryder game and this uh, the BC Edmonton game. Delayed the kickoff by about 20 minutes. I think it was great because you're showing the market, you're showing people in BC who did not go to the game hey, this is the product we have over here. We're having fun with a One Republic concert. They uh, talked about the, the street fair that they had there or the, the block party with Biff Naked and uh, whoever else was there performing. And they made it a big thing. Here's my rant, though. People on social media were mad at TSN, hardcore CFL fans, for the CFL actually putting this on TSN and not doing it during the fourth quarter of the Riders-Hamilton game because they wanted to go straight to the next game. CFL hardcore fans, and I would classify myself as one of those, but not in this case. They want themselves catered to all the time. The CFL should not be catering to you. Yes, they do, but they're not trying to get to you. They know you're going to stick around for those 20 minutes after the concert to watch the game. They know you're going to stick around, and guess what? You did, Rob. And... They're the same people that say, well, the CFL has to do more to market to young people. And then when they have a great band like One Republic marketing to young people, oh, I don't like that. Come on. You can't have it both ways. No, no it's, it's absolutely ridiculous that they do this. It was a great thing for the league. One Republic was fantastic. And I think the whole show itself was great. And I'm, I, I didn't expect them to actually show the whole thing on TSN. They did the full 15-minute concert, and it was great. And kickoff was after that. And I think it was a fantastic promotion that was done just flawlessly. But people are still mad about it. And that really bugs me because they're the ones complaining that the CFL doesn't do enough to market to other people. And CFL tries something, nails it, and they still get crapped on. I, I just find it funny. It's These people are like screaming into the void, do something, do something. And when they do something, no, not like that. That's That's all it ever is. It's like, do something but do what I want you to do. Like, no, like you're fine. Like you're a fan already. And yes, should we get a little more being fans sometimes? Yeah, we should. Like BC got one more public and we got Tyler who Miller, like that is what we got. So yeah. Do I wish, do I wish that uh, sometimes I'd be wind and dine? Of course I do. But at the same time, they got my money. They know they got my money. So they need to bring other people in to make my money go further because I, that means I can spend less and get the same product. The CFL really missed the boat, not uh, not showing that Tyler Joe Miller halftime show. That was the real banger of the week. I don't know who this one Republic, who is this guy? Tyler Joe Miller is where it's at. Let's let's be real though. Great marketing, but you're, you're right. The, all the old guys want you to do something different in a way that they're used to. They, they're not happy if you, if you don't do it the way that they've been familiar with this league for decades. Guess what, old guy? They're not going to grow pitching to guys that are going to die. They need to get... Easy now, I'm only 40. <laughs> I'm sorry, but the old crowd is going to die. That's what happens to old people. This got dark. Wow. <laughs> wow. I'm they, saying they okay boomer to... and this guy's talking about killing people off. My goodness. <laughs> like, okay, boomer, you're gonna die. Thanks, Steve. All right. <laughs> they they need to pitch to the 20 crowd, not to the 80-year-old crowd. So, simple as that. I apologize to any elderly folks that I may have offended with their impending death. I'm crying. <laughs> wow. You should probably just stop right now, Steve. Uh 
<laughs> okay, let's <laughs> back to football. Let's uh, let's talk about this Riders Elks game on Saturday. Um, the big story going in, obviously, is uh, Greg's favorite story of the week, and I know you were you were excited to see this pop up yet again. Was Cody Fajardo against Chris Jones? And how this is going to play out because Chris Jones in the offseason basically said that Cody Fajardo, he's a good runner, but he's not a good passer. He's not a good quarterback. Now, to me, Chris Jones was actually more so defending Stephen McAdoo than he was anything else. Because when you look at 2019 and Cody Fajardo's most outstanding player nominee season, Stephen McAdoo was his offensive coordinator. You go back to last year, 2021, Cody Fajardo really wasn't that good. And that was with Jason Moss. So to me, that's Chris Jones just basically saying, hey, fact of the matter is with Stephen McAdoo, he was better. So he doesn't have him. I'm backing my guy. And I get that. You got to back your guy. That's fine. Probably could have said it a lot more eloquently, but uh, that's no, Chris Jones. He wouldn't be Chris no Jones if he did. Yeah, exactly. Um, but is this a game to you? Guys, like, do you think Cody Fajardo should be taking this personally and using that as build uh, bulletin board material to uh, to say, okay, well, all right, Chris Jones, here's what I actually do have. Normally, I'd say yes, but well, then again, this might be Cody, and he he actually read the book on how to st- talk to media, unlike the Montreal uh, owner. He he talked about how uh, McAdoo was good for his uh, career and helped him out that year and how he probably should speak more about what McAdoo did for him. So Cody's saying all the right stuff now, but that being said, I hope he puts up 500 yards on uh, Saturday and just jams it up. Uh, Chris Jones. I mean, we, we all know Cody Fajardo and his Jesus sprinkles. He's going to turn the other cheek. That's, that's going to be his, his go-to. He's not going to say anything that's going to put, you know, a bulletin board material back in Edmonton's locker room. But inside, you know damn well he's sitting there going, this is the game I shine. And he's, he's going to absolutely light up a defense that, that got embarrassed this past weekend. And if BC can light them up, you know, there's, this, this is going to be a tell-all game for our offense. And I think Cody Fajardo is going to come in hungry, and he's going he's gonna to show exactly why he's the number one here. I'm not even worried about it. Well, our offense is one thing. Our defense is going to eat. Like they absolutely destroyed Hamilton's defensive line. What are they going to do about the, the Elks that looked absolutely like boys against BC's defensive line that are nowhere near as good as ours? Like this game is going to be bad for the Elks, like bad. And when you flip it over and look at the, uh, the offensive line for the Riders, look at the D line for Edmonton. They got no pressure. They were blitzing six, seven guys, and they got no pressure whatsoever on Nathan Rourke and Michael O'Connor all game long against BC. And that's against an O-line, a BC O-line that I don't think is any good. It's still better suspect. Than it was. Still it, suspect. It was, it's better than it was last year in the last couple of years, but it's still not a good O-line by any means. And I think the Riders O-line is, is a little bit better than that. So I can't see, like, I don't know, maybe this is the, the Chris Jones revenge game somehow. And like, they're, Edmonton's not going to be that bad again. There's just no way because it's going to be 55 new players that Chris Jones brings in for this game anyway, because that's what he does. How but many houses do they have rented in downtown Edmonton? I bet you about four or five. That's it? Or is that How just many... for the defensive line? Yeah. Bunk beds, bunk beds everywhere. But I don't think Edmonton will be that bad again. But I, I mean, I, I hope Cody Fajardo does take this personally. And I know the, the cliche is, oh, it's just another game. And that's probably what he'll say going into it. But he said in the offseason, yeah, I have this game circled down. So I, I hope he really does take it personally because I think Cody Fajardo needs to have that edge. I feel like that's the one thing that he's missing. He makes up for his, and he said it himself, not lack of talent because he has plenty of talent, but he says he's not the best thrower. He's not the best runner. He's not the best you know, athlete, but he makes up for it because with his drive, with his will to win. And he wants that. He, he wants it bad. But I still think he's just missing that edge, just that little bit extra, that chip on his shoulder, that when the cards are against him, that he can say, screw you guys. I'm going to take over this game. I'm going to show you what I got. And I hope he proves that this week, that he does have that chip on his shoulder, that he 
is going to be, you know, how Darian Durant treated 2013 and just tell everybody to shove it and go out there and just light them up. Well, it's funny you mentioned Darian Durant because the last time Chris Jones opened his mouth about a, you know, a former or opposing quarterback, what did, what did Durant do? Came into to New Mosaic and, and beat his former team, didn't they? No, that was in, in uh, Montreal. That was because Tyler Trapinia missed a field goal. I thought they came in here and won. No, that was the season opener in Montreal, hmm. 2017. Well, scratch that. Point, point taken, though. Darian Durant took that personally and, and, and won the game. How are the Riders only five-point favorites? Because they uh, want to actually see people bet. <laughs> bet on that right now. Put your mortgage on it. Ooh, do not take betting advice from the Pipples podcast. You don't take my, my advice. No, don't take yours. You, you don't think the Riders can win this by six? <laughs> I'm not saying you're wrong. I just don't want to be responsible when somebody puts their mortgage on the Riders. I, I've seen this too many times. This is a team that historically plays down to the level of their competition. The, uh, I, I'm just looking at a, a listing of all the best odds. The best uh, Saskatchewan spread is five and a half. The best Edmonton spread is plus eight. The best over is 46 and a half and the best under is 51. I'm thinking it's over and it's going to be Saskatchewan by more than a touchdown. I, I managed to get the, the riders at plus four and a half. So I'm, I'm okay with that. I, I think no, no, you uh, mean minus you mean minus four and a half. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Minus four and a half plus four and a half would be quite the wager. Yeah, my, yeah You got them plus four and a half. You, you're dancing. <laughs> riders should go in there and just stomp them. And it's going to be fun watching an angry Chris Jones on the sideline. And uh, going back to the Duke Williams injury, no idea what it's going to look like right now. Obviously, the depth chart comes out on Friday, and that's when we're going to get our, our real update on whether he's going to play or not. If he doesn't play, Mitch Pickton was running in his place uh, in practice on Wednesday. So maybe the Riders end up going three Canadian receivers. Maybe they bring up uh, you know a guy from the practice roster like Kevin Jones. Thursday's practice is closed, so they're going to keep it pretty tight-lipped tomorrow. And... I guess we'll see on, on Friday when the depth chart comes out after the, the team leaves. So, but th- to me, this is the game you can, you can afford to sit out Duke Williams as much as you do want him in the lineup. Think long-term here. It's, I mean, yes, the game this upcoming Saturday means as much in the standings as it would in week 17, but keep Duke healthy. Let him, if he needs that extra week, give him the extra week because it's a short week. They play, uh, the Alouettes on Thursday next week. So you, you, you'd rather have them for that game because Montreal is more of a formidable, formidable, formidable opponent than uh, Edmonton is. I wouldn't be surprised if they kept him out. Uh, obviously, if he says he's good to go, you let him go, but maybe you manage those snaps a little bit more. I think you dress him, you put him on a snap count, and when if the game gets out of hand, you staple his butt to the bench first. All right, well, let's uh, let's get to our pick them here. As uh, Toronto gets their season started, they had the bye in week one. They're up on Thursday night hosting Montreal without William Stanback. Who do you guys got? Sorry, Gary Stern, but uh, I, I think Toronto wins. I got no faith in uh, Macbeth. I've already said it. I think Montreal wins. I think Toronto wins this. I think, and you're going to hate this, Greg, I think Andrew Harris has a very good game. My buddy Andrew? No, come on. Don't <laughs> needle Greg about that. Before we uh, we get to our other picks, how about uh, Winnipeg using a green screen in their video? How dumb can you? Like, I, 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 every time someone puts a green screen photo out there, I'm like, are you dumb? And But the fact that they posted the entire green screen video, I'm like, well, I'm just going to have fun with this. Thanks, guys. I can't wait to see what you come up with next. You had the Andrew Harris uh, disappointment picture in the background. I, I hope you can find something else. Well, the worst part is I, well, the best part. Worst part is I was doing that on my phone, and I could only put a still image behind it. I was trying to insert a video behind it, but uh, I will save that for future use. Can't wait to see it. Labor Day <laughs> is going to be fun. Yes. Now those uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers, their uh, rematch in Ottawa against the Red Blacks. I'm going to go Ottawa. I'm taking Ottawa at home. Actually, they did enough to make me think they could pull it off. I really want to see that. I think Mazzoli is uh, going to be good for them again. Uh, it's, Winnipeg's I, I not that to... deep. Winnipeg is I, not that deep. 
I don't want to pick them, but until somebody really knocks them off, I got to go with Winnipeg because I still don't think Ottawa's that good yet. Uh, I like Ottawa's uh, depth more than I like Winnipeg's depth right now. Well, that's because they signed literally every single free agent this past Oh, yeah, that, that is true. <laughs> uh, Calgary at Hamilton. Hamilton. Calgary. To me, it all comes down to Bo Levi Mitchell and which one we get. If we get a healthy Bo Levi Mitchell, I'm taking Hamilton. If we get an injured Bo Levi Mitchell and we see Jake Mayer, then I'm taking Calgary. You got to take one now, though. Then I'll take Hamilton. Alex tapes Hamilgary. I don't think Hamilton's O-line will be that bad again like they were against the Riders. They they <laughs> they can't afford to do that and go 0-2 to start the season. Man was – I forgot to mention, Dane Evans was pissed on that sideline. They showed him a few times on the big screen, and he was mad, just screaming at them. And it didn't help that the night before, Mazzoli had 350 yards passing because Hamilton fans were they were starting to question, did they, did they keep the right quarterback? I still but, think they did, but... I think so, too, but both, both are 0-1, so it doesn't matter right now. Um, and finally, the Riders at Edmonton, like I said, mortgage your house, whatever you need to do, make that money. I don't care what the spread is. The riders will cover it. Yeah, take take the five and a half. If you, if you can get it to a four, like Steve did, you're definitely making money. So, uh, yeah, take take the riders with the points. I I don't think that anybody in their right mind is taking Edmonton in this game. I picked Hamilton, hoping that the reverse luck would work last week, and it did. I I don't think we need that this week. So riders by a very large number. Don't actually pay your mortgage on that game. That's uh, just my final advice. But whatever disposable income you have, put it all on the riders. That's going to do it for us this week here on the Piffles Podcast. Piffles Podcast is brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Special thanks as well to Kathy Festion of Roy LePage Regina Realty and Churchill Brewing Company for their support to make this show possible. Piffles Podcast is a proud member of the CFPN, the Canadian Football Podcast Network. My favorite part of the show, Greg singing to go. Oh, I'm singing again. I, I I thought I thought I thought we were done with the singing. I was about to no, say no. I, I I haven't sang at all this episode. That's your thing. I wasn't. Well, I haven't sang the last two because we we've cut the Kurt Angle saying we don't suck. That has nothing to do with you not singing. <sighs> well, you're letting us down, Greg. Uh we can't end the show until you sing. Farewell, Terry Jones. Enjoy that elevator ride. Welcome.